Well, welcome. Today is Tuesday, January 11th, episode 103. Today we're talking about beauty and attraction and what are those desirable traits that we're looking at in our romantic partners. Studies have shown that I'm going to be talking about today that atheists are less desirable. So let's dive in. So, well, I think today when we when we really truly look at attraction and beauty, sex appeal, those different qualities of a romantic partner, they tend to get muddled together. They tend to be the words that we really don't specify out. And if we look at it, we, we look at the true words. I mean, we look at attraction. I mean, it is that power that invokes us with interest or pleasure. Now it can be for someone or something, you know, it can be a drawing characteristic to them. Um, yeah, obviously we're not talking about physics and forces of attraction or anything like that. Um, but it's like, what is it? What quality or feature is it that truly evokes that interest or that liking or that desire that we really um, want to know about? But beauty, beauty is so very different. It's truly a combination of qualities. You know, the beauty of the person, it's the shape, the color, the form, that which pleases the senses. It incorporates so much more, but yet we use the same word for it. You know, oftentimes when I'm counseling uh, others throughout Texas, I've got this huge young adult population, those in their 20s and even their 30s, that are seeking romantic partners. And when I ask them, what is it that you're seeking? What is it that you're looking for? Oftentimes they can't truly tell me. I mean, they can try to read their bio or their profile off of one of the many internet apps that they've used for dating, which is amazing too, because whenever they say that, they seemingly blush and say, oh, we met on a dating app. So there's a connotation there that it's something different than truly meeting in person. And so in that attraction, what is there that makes that attraction? What is it that you come to find about the person, possibly a romantic partner, that evokes pleasure in yourself? Is it their outward qualities? Their hair, their hairstyle, their hair length, their facial features, their body type, their stature? Or is it something more than that? Are you really looking at the inner qualities? The inner qualities of faith, of love, of hope, of a future? 
that they're willing to look beyond just the moment? Or is it an attraction to what they're able to do? They're really good at disc golf. Or maybe they have a career that's an admirable career to you. But is that what that quality draws you in? And so for those that are looking for a partner, it's one of those that it's like, okay, what truly are you looking for? Not just, well, when it comes along, I'll know. Because you won't. It's one of those that if you're not searching for that which you're looking, you're truly, truly not going to find it. So I'd encourage you. That's what part of this podcast is about. Write down a list, a list of those things that you are attracted to. And by all means, especially ladies, don't set your bars low. No. Raise your bars. And guys, I'm going to tell you this right now. Expect the bars to be high. All too time, too often of times, we just settle. And it's time to stop in the mediocrity of it's okay. I'll just take what I can get. He doesn't. She doesn't. It's time to live up to our own moral standards, our own quality of life that we want to attain. If you haven't attained it, it's time to build those skills to attain it. It's time to make those little things truly matter. And so by being able to say that from the start, not saying in your profile, but dating for a purpose, huh, imagine that. Because this is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm wanting. This is what I'm attracted to. Because once I find it, once I find you, that then becomes beauty. You have this multi-dimensional aspect to yourself that is beauty. You have that quality and that quality and this quality that not only pleases me, but it also pleases you because you have those. You've made that a difference in your life. And so today, we're going to jump into a study that truly talks about that attraction. Whenever you need a cup of coffee that's always smooth and never bitter, try Cameron's Coffee. It's the closest I've personally found to the perfect roast. There are so many flavors to choose, but I always seem to reach for the breakfast blend. And for those busy weekday mornings, try the Ecopods. 
Click the link below to order yours today. Okay, so let's jump into this headline. This came from SciPost on December 3rd, 2021. And the headline reads, Atheists are viewed as less desirable romantic partners. Now, before you get your feathers ruffled, I want you to listen to the whole study and realize what the component of this is. Um, because it's really important to understand culture when you're, you're looking at this. So this um, article then comes out of the Journal of Social and Personal Relationships, um, originally December 3rd, 2021. Um, and this is from the author, Mitch Brown, who is a psychology instructor at the University of Arkansas. And it states here, atheists might be seen as less attractive romantic partners as compared to their theist counterparts, at least among college students in Southern United States. Okay, so first of all, let's truly take a look at this when we're talking about culture. Um, this was a study done through the University of Arkansas. This was a study done with college students, um, presumably young college students, um, only because in university we love the freshmen to be able to give them batteries upon batteries of tests and assessments that we can use in fulfilling our needs for raw data. Um, so when we look at it, um, Mitch Brown had stated here, a litany of negative stereotypes exists about atheist social values, despite what many would consider a surprising number of them in society. So this is where we're looking at it. It states here, this prevalence made me think about the manner in which atheism could be seen as advantageous in meeting social goals, which led me to consider work on positive stereotypes of atheists as fun and open-minded. These conflicting perceptions made me think about how this trade-off emerged in mating domains and whether the pervasiveness of negative stereotypes towards atheists would win out in mate selection especially considering how any kind of religious belief in a mate is valued by so many and their family. So in this study, what they went ahead and did was they made a hypothetical dating website. That's why I mentioned it at the beginning, because whether you swipe left or swipe right, all too often that is on your perception about typically beauty and typically outward beauty only. You don't know anything else about them, but you're willing to give it a shot. So here, they went ahead and put together some dating profiles for these hypothetical prospective partners. And some of them, they said, believed in God. 
and some of them they didn't. The atheists, the ones that did not believe in God, were perceived more desirable. Now wait, Rick, you said they were less desirable. They were perceived more desirable for short-term relationships as compared to long-term. So the interest was still there for a short-term relationship, but as it was deemed for a long-term relationship, they were desirable less. Moreover, physically attractive theists and atheists were both perceived as more prone to infidelity compared to their unattractive counterparts. But this effect was significantly larger for attractive atheists. Now, the results here, they are in line with previous research, which found that non-religious people are less likely to be viewed as trustworthy, as a faithful romantic partner, or even as a dedicated parent. But it's truly unclear to how well these new findings generalize to other populations. Like we said, this was coming out of the Southeast, where truly a majority of the participants reported that they believed in God. Now, Brown added to this that he said this work isn't meant to justify prejudice towards atheistic individuals, nor is it designed to disparage atheists for their choices. This is merely an investigation into understanding how shared belief systems, or lack thereof, can truly functionally shape our preferences. Now, of course, what would be interesting to note now, since starting into a pandemic where especially religiosity has been not only declining as in the previous 20 years from Pew Research, but truly has been declining at an accelerated rate because churches have had to close because of the pandemic. Church life has changed for many since the start of this pandemic. And so now with a new generation coming up, not unchurched, but differently churched, what would that change? I mean, this is to the extreme of atheism, a belief that there is no God versus theism, a belief in God. But what about the churched versus the unchurched? Is there even a difference? And how much of a difference is there when you go between comparable or uncomparable world religions for a couple um, that's looking to decide to make this a romantic, long-standing relationship. There's so many variables that could be of interest here to understand and find out about. More research, of course, is always needed. But that's where today, it's. I just wanted to pique your interest, to spur a conversation with someone else about what you heard today, and to see what their opinion on it is. Real Dark Chocolate and pretzel protein bars that both taste great and nourish us. 
Nugo offers so many types of bars and cookies for your enjoyment, but I always stick with the best. Plus, it's gluten-free. Click the link below to order yours today. This research comes from SciPost.org. It was posted up December 9th, 2021. Um, face masks impair people's ability to accurately classify emotional expressions. And from this headline, you might say, well, obviously, Rick. But it's important to really start looking at the studies. And I want you to realize something as we break this study down of the intent and where that comes from. So uh, this study was actually came out in uh, April 23rd, 2021. And the research started before January the 5th, because that's when it was submitted for review. 2021. So this is very early in the pandemic. This is the end part of 2020. Um, and all the participants here, um, this was done in Germany. And a very different vibe was being felt in Western Europe, let alone Germany, at that time when it comes to face mass perception um, I think it's more accepted and more readily permissible when you look at the Asian cultures and use of face masks and use and show of emotions I can remember growing up in California and we had a sweet neighbor um, she was South Korean but whenever she laughed, she would always cover her mouth. She never showed her full face or her mouth when she laughed. It was just something that culturally was not accepted. And so for years upon years, using face masks, whether it's been for pollution or for safety health, has been a lot more accepted in the Asian countries and communities. Now, contrast that with Germany, um, a very different society. And so having these imposed face mask ordinances gives a very different perception to what people have always been able to see. They've always been able to see their nose crinkle, their lips curl, their smile on their face, their chin rise or fall as they talk, even those micro expressions that we pick up innately to know about human perception, human linguistics. And so as we're looking through the study, I just want you to keep that in mind. Where and when this study was actually done. So they were interested in, given that face masks cover a large part of the face, 
that they wondered what would it have on our ability to recognize emotions and also on social interactions. So there was 191 in this population for the study. I think they were shooting for 200, so they almost got that for their end population. And these were German adults that completed this emotion recognition task. They were shown portrait photographs of human faces and asked to indicate whether they expressed emotion that was neutral, surprised, proud, amused, happy, fearful, angry, sad, or disgusted. You know, these are the emotions that we can pick up on um, that are innate to almost every culture. The participants also rated the extent to which they deemed each person trustworthy, likable, and close to them. Some participants were randomly assigned to be masked, and other ones were to the unmasked group. Now, of course, their findings held true. You know, the emotional recognition accuracy, it dropped from 69.9% in the unmasked condition to 48.9% in the masked conditions, showing that it's harder for us to accurately detect other people's emotions. So where does this play true? It plays true on the playground. It plays true walking down the street. It plays true in the business office, in the conference room. It plays true to that person sitting next to you in a pew at church. It plays true in those everyday interactions. And I can remember even from the start of the pandemic, you would walk down the sidewalk and people would walk to the other side of the street as you were walking towards them. So this also can be a skew because what is it that that person holds? It's not just emotion reading, mind you. It is also that pandemic reading that we were entrenched with in early 2021 not knowing how to read another because they might be infected. One of the things that they do want us to realize too, these were portrait pictures, you know, a still portrait. We don't live in a still portrait society. You know, we are actively examining, looking, having motions, not just still portraits. So as a person walks, talks, change, shifts their position in their seat, emotional expression changes. Unless you're an expert, Dr. Elkman's micro expressions, you're not going to pick up on many of these outside in the real world to have true realistic emotional expressions. Now, even though face masks may negatively impact our social interactions, 
by reducing emotional recognition accuracy and perceptions of closeness and their value and usefulness, they need to be truly evaluated in today's society and how much different it has become. So I wanted to close today with a quote from famous psychologist Abraham Maslow. He said, If you deliberately plan on being less than you are capable of being, then I warn you that you'll be unhappy for the rest of your life. Think about that. Peace.